Okay, let's go ahead and get started. Good to see you all this morning. When you teach Sunday school and you're the first to get here, you think, did the memo get out that I'm teaching and nobody's going to show up? (laughs) (laughs) I know there's been some sickness going around too. So Uh, let's open in prayer and then we'll get started. Father in heaven, we're so grateful for your kindness to us. We're thankful for uh, this Sunday morning. We're thankful for this sunshine that's coming through this uh, window, uh, warming us, showing us uh, the light that you have provided to us and reminding us that you continue to sustain us. You continue to be faithful, uh, providing a sun to rise each and every day. And as we think of your goodness, we think of your wisdom in creation, um, we know that you are wise beyond this creation, and uh, we praise you and give thanks to you for the opportunity we have here to spend this time this morning diving into your word in Galatians and uh, learning more about you and learning more about how you have established your church um, to grow in unity and to love one another. We love you. We um, pray for those who are ill this morning and aren't able to be here. We ask you to comfort them and touch them and bring them healing and um, speak into them today through your Holy Spirit. We love you and pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right. So we've taken a, a, so Kara and I have been out for a week or two here and there lately. So we've missed a couple of Sunday schools. And from what I know, I know last week was a break from Galatians as well. So we're going to do a bit of a recap just to make sure we're back on track. Today, what we'll cover is Galatians 5, 26 through 6, 5. But we're going to go back to Galatians 5, 16 through 25. Raise your hand if you have Galatians 5, 16 up, and I'll call on you to read unless you're uncomfortable reading. Anybody? Kathy? Okay. Kathy, can you read 16 through 20? And Jesse, did you have your hand up? 21 through 25? Thank you. Great. Thank you both. So am I accurate? We, had, we did cover this passage. Did we cover the fruits of the Spirit? Probably a few weeks back. Is that right? Okay, good. So, so here, we're, here we have Paul encouraging the Galatians. First of all, walk in the Spirit. Um, deny your flesh. And then he identifies what are some of the um, 
examples of the works of the flesh. And then he shifts and talks about the fruit of the Spirit, what we should have demonstrated in our lives if, if the Holy Spirit is present in us. And then he takes this um, transition, and now I'll read um, 526. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. So we've got some sandwiching going on. We've got walk in the Spirit. Here's what it looks like if you're not walking in the Spirit. If you are walking in the Spirit, here's what you should see, fruits of the Spirit. And so we're talking a lot about what we should see in our own lives. And then he takes this transition and talks about going from do not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. And then now we're starting to talk about how we think outwardly. How do we think about our brothers and sisters in the church, in community, in our own homes? So um, first of all, as we get into 526, why this encouragement? Thinking about let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Why this encouragement on the heels of covering the fruits of the Spirit? This is a question out there. Mm -hmm. Good. Jesse, you had your hand up. Do you have any? That was what he said? All right, good. Anything else? Okay, good. Thanks, Barry. So yeah, uh, thinking about if, if I'm pursuing holiness, if I'm, if I'm desiring to grow and being Christ-like, as soon as I start to see others who may not be caring so much about what I'm caring about as far as my pursuit of holiness, I can easily start to put on that mindset of pride, that mindset of conceit, and really start to have a harsh spirit toward those around me, which I think is a great prelude to what comes next in chapter 6. So how do we, and, and this all, we'll walk through this this morning, how do we grow in holiness in such a way that our heart is set on modeling Christ in our lives independently, but also when we see those who maybe have fallen into sin, how do we, as we grow in holiness, not respond to somebody else's sin with harshness? And how do we encourage them to model Christ? How do we point them really to our Redeemer? So let's go back to, just to set a little bit more uh, context here, let's go back to Galatians 5, 14 and 15. Kara Harkin, can you read that for us? Okay, thank you. And then um, another text I'd like us to cover is 1 Corinthians 
13, 1 through 3. Anybody there? Raise your hand if you're there. Okay, go ahead. Thank you. So here we have some examples. First of all, we're supposed to, that's the law of Christ. Love your neighbor as yourself. As we think about pursuing holiness, we think about what we just read here in 1 Corinthians 13. A lot of good things that are seen here, right? Speaking in tongues of men and of angels. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith, so as to remove mountains, if I give away all I have and I deliver up my body to be burned, those are some noble things, right? We look back at some of our forefathers of the faith and say, those men and women suffered greatly. That's clearly modeling Christ. However, if I have not love, that's what we keep hearing throughout there. If I have not love, I'm a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. And that can be oftentimes the challenge that we face as believers is pursuing holiness, desiring to model Christ, desiring to live a life that's upright and, and glorifying to God and also at the same time getting to that place where we, we actually have a harsh edge to us. We're, we're cutting in the way that we address somebody um, when we do speak the truth. Do we speak it in love or do we speak it with a harsh and cutting tongue or really a, a heart that is hard in some way? So let's transition now because this kind of sets the table, right? We're thinking about how do we not become conceited, provoking one another, and envying one another. 6.1, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. So as we think about, first of all, what it means to see somebody or, or see a brother or sister who's caught in sin, what are some of the challenges that we can face just thinking about how we respond to that? Sure. Sure, yeah. And at the same time, if you see me walk out of the store with a candy bar in my pocket and you didn't see me pay for it, how can you love me? Like, what can you do to love me well in that situation? 
Right. Yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how, how do we navigate that? Let's go back to me walking out of a store with a candy bar in my pocket. You didn't see me pay for it. You just saw me grab one and walk around and head out the door. How do you respond to that? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so if you see that, and I'm just thinking, I'm thinking, I'm curious to hear if anybody else answers this way. You see that, right? You think, oh my goodness, I saw Travis in the grocery store, grab a candy bar, put it in his pocket. He actually didn't go through the checkout line. He, I saw him walk around and go out the door. What are some ways that that can play out? Like, practically, what, what are some things you could do? So you're thinking that. I can't believe I just saw Travis do that. What else? Sure. Uh-huh. Sure. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Fairly subtle, right? Yeah, you're not attacking me in any way. Yep. Okay. Okay, yeah. 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 That's probably my first step is what you, I'm probably going to go home and like, Kara, you won't believe what I just saw. <laughs> right? Sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. Sure. Yep. Gloria. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, good. <laughs> All right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, so okay, so so you're pointing us to Matthew 18, Gloria. Like, just go right to the person, right? Don't go home. Now my wife is going to think, or one of your wives or one of your husbands is going to think, okay, Travis has a problem with theft, right? But instead, you come to me. Or maybe you just give me a phone call later on. What does that look like? 
I think Jackie had a good example, first of all. But anything else? Like, what are some other ways that could go? Sure. Uh-huh. Like, so what's the purpose of you wanting to call them out? Are you, are you the justifier of the store's finances? <laughs> right, what's yeah. What's the reasoning behind it? Yeah. Um, so, like, for me, it's like checking my motive. Like, am I trying to stop that person from falling off a cliff and doing dangerous behavior? Mm-hmm. Or am I trying to get them to stop swiping through cards because I don't want to see them fail? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think it just really depends on, for me, when I enter into situations like that, what's my sphere of influence? Mm-hmm. Like, how well do I know this person? Do I even have the right or responsibility to speak to this person regardless of what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I kind of just acclimate it from there. Like, so like, if I know you and I see you standing up, you want to get candy bar, call and ask them to stop the store. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, you put that back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Right. That's good. So, so now you're coming to me. Let's go move into the conversation. And, and I think where the conversation should start, where Paul's pointing us, is it should all start in our heart. Right? It should start with, am I coming at this person to let them know I caught them? Let them know they're horrible and everybody, everybody who saw that knows how bad they are? Or am I coming at them to restore them? Am I coming at them with a, really with a word of gentleness to encourage them uh, and, and how to move forward after, well, let's, so, so we've clarified. Let's start there. We've clarified. The conversation starts with your heart to restore me. You're coming to me saying, hey, I saw you in the grocery store, noticed you grabbed a candy bar, and I just want you to know I love you as we're having this conversation. I saw you grabbed a candy bar, and I only saw you walk out the door, and I didn't know what happened there as far as transactional. Did you pay for that candy bar? And I just want you to know I, I love you, and if you, if you did steal it, I want to help you through that. If you didn't steal it, if you actually paid for it, praise God <laughs> that, that I just misunderstood the whole situation, and we're going to leave it right there. It's water under the bridge because... I just saw what I thought may have been pr- a problem. What am I hearing you say if that's how you b- approach me? Okay. Am I going to look badly at you? I hope not. I could. But I hope not. I'm going to think, okay, this person loves me. I didn't steal it. They saw me with the candy bar, and I actually was able to tell them I paid in advance, forgot to grab it. The clerk said, oh, just grab it on your way out. Yeah. Yeah, good. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a problem. It's a pattern in my life. What do you uh, maybe this is 
the 20th time I've stolen a candy bar or something from a grocery store, and you watched me do it, and I get to keep doing this because everybody's afraid to talk to me. Gloria. Yeah. And it's possible you don't, you've never seen me before and you see me do it. That's an opportunity maybe to share the gospel. Just say, hey man, I'm not like coming at you, but I do want you to know I saw you steal this candy bar or it looked like you stole a candy bar. Maybe you didn't. But I want you to know if that's something, that's, if that's a pattern in your life, if you're stealing, there's, you're accountable to God. I'm accountable to God. And I just want you to know I can help you rectify this if you'd like to talk further and leave it at that if the person's like ah leave me alone
Oh, yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> well, and we're going to get through, as we go through here a little bit more, how we ch- transition from seeing someone in sin, caring for them, seeking to restore them, but then really that's, we, we've done what we can do sometimes. We can't really fully restore somebody. That's the power of the Holy Spirit working in them to do that. So it's that step of saying, this is what I see in your life. I want to love you and care for you. I'm here to help you through that. If they don't want anything to do with that, we really have to stop there and go back to saying, am I being accountable as a, as a Christian? Am I being accountable to God to do what I should do by loving my neighbor well uh, in that situation? So, yep. Let's, let's think about how our relationship with, with God and what we see in Christ points us to that restorative because it's easy for us to want to come down and condemn and not remind people that we serve a redeemer and our God redeems us. So um, I need a couple readers here. First one is 2 Timothy 2, 22 through 26. Okay. And then the next one is Psalm 51, 10 through 13. Jesse, okay. Psalm 51, 10 through 13, yep. And then the last one is Romans 15, 1 through 3. Okay. Good, so 2 Timothy 2, 22 through 26. Okay, thank you. Psalm 51. Yep. Thank you. And then Romans 15, 1 through 3. Good. Thank you. Just a few examples of the hundreds of examples that our God redeems us, our God restores us, our God 
continues to let us know that and, and assure us that when we have sinned against him, he can return the joy of our salvation and he can restore us. And that's the heart of the God that we serve. That's the heart of the God that we are pursuing when we're pursuing holiness. And we fall in the ditch so often because we go from wanting to help, one, enjoying that restoration that's happened in our own lives to seeing someone in sin and not wanting to restore them, but instead wanting to discourage them, wanting to accuse them, wanting to put them down and beat them over the head with what we just caught them in. And there's a high likelihood that we've sinned in that same way at some point in our lives. So how do we take that and, and keep from going in the ditch, but keep pointing them down that road to repentance and, and redemption? Can anyone think of examples from Christ's life when we see somebody that you would think, hey, the Pharisees, and that's a lot of what we're seeing here in Galatians too, is this self-righteousness, this desire to somehow proclaim um, that, that we are morally superior through the law of circumcision and through obedience to the law. Um, what are some ways that we see examples in the Gospels where Christ did what the Pharisees totally were not expecting um, by actually pointing someone to redemption when they really had every reason to be condemned? Can you think of examples of somebody who should, was caught in sin? I see. Yeah. Yeah. Can, yeah. She's ready, they are ready to stone her for adultery. And he flips that quickly and allows her to see the redemption of Christ. But not only redemption through him, but everybody who's onlooking realizes, oh wow, am I without sin? I can't throw this stone. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
We just saw that in Mark, right, with Levi. Same kind of a scenario. The Jewish people would have said, uh, we're gonna, that guy's the scum of our society, and Jesus goes to his house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, let's keep moving through here. So 6.2 six says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. We've really been touching on this already, just thinking about how do we love one another as ourselves? How do we, as we get into this, how do we bear one another's burdens? What are some examples of that? Maybe you've had that happen in your own life. Has there ever been a time when someone has bared a burden with you? All the time in the church. Sure. Can anyone, um, you don't have to share, but just think about a time when maybe you've been in a struggle and you've felt really lonely. Maybe nobody knew about it or nobody knew how to talk through that with you. Maybe nobody let you know they're praying for you. Maybe you didn't have somebody checking in with you. You're in an accountability group and you've shared with the men or the women in your group a struggle you're dealing with. And then nobody... Nobody asks you, hey, how are you, how are you doing with gossip? How are you doing with lying? How are you doing with pornography? Where's your heart? Where's your mind been? Is, is anyone checking in with you? It can feel really lonely, right? If you're desiring to pursue holiness and you've shared your sin or somebody knows about a sin that you're in, yet they don't check in with you. And sadly, I can think of times when I've had somebody come to me and share a sin they're going through and I've let them know in the moment let's pray now I want to care for you but time goes on and I stop checking in with them and um, those are indicators of of me failing to love my neighbor well in a situation like that Mm. 
unfortunately, we've all failed to love people well. And we have a redeeming Savior who helps us to see that and then to make that choice to grow, to repent and to, to turn from not extending that helping hand, that desire to bear one another's burdens and to show care to one another. Let's go. Actually, this really hit me. Um, I was thinking through this in bearing one another's burdens and this whole concept of loving one another well. Let's go, um, first of all, to 1 Corinthians 13 again. I think a lot of times we start well in thinking about the love chapter. 1 Corinthians 13, 4, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. Those are like the positives that we kind of start with. We know that that's what love looks like. But then we get into the later part here. Um, It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. This is that, this is that peace. Are we long-suffering? Are we bearing one another's burdens well? And are we here in the corner? I picture a fighter in the boxing ring. And he's got, he's got his crew around him, giving him everything he needs so that he can keep getting back out in that ring and keep fighting. He's got someone even taking his mouthpiece out for him, putting it back in, giving him water, squirting water in his mouth, rubbing his shoulders out, putting ice on his face, doing everything possible to help this fighter battle. And that's, that's an ongoing pursuit, right? That whole team is there hopefully going all 15 rounds unless he gets a a KO, but willing to go the distance, willing to get through the entire battle. And is that, does that, is that how we would really, um, I guess, identify or demonstrate, do we do that as believers? Does that fighter come into accountability? Does that fighter come to home group? Does that fighter just come to you every Sunday morning and are you there with that ice for their face? Are you there squirting water in their mouth, taking their mouthpiece out, massaging their shoulders, encouraging them, telling them, you can do this. You have a redeemer who has made it possible for you to overcome this sin. And he is gracious. He's forgiven you for anything that did not go well in that last round. And we're all cheering for you and helping you to get back out there so that this next round will be a round of progress. And when you come in, yes, there may be some times where you missed, you didn't duck right, you didn't jab right, but you come back to this corner and we're going to tell you, guess what, you got another round. Here we go again. We're all pulling for you. Is that how we approach walking through this life as a, as a Christian community? Because I'll tell you what, if, I get, if I'm out there getting beat up, and I'm swinging and tired, and I go to my corner, and they're just like, man, why aren't you ducking? Why aren't you jabbing better? Where's your uppercut today? We don't even, 
we don't even have your back anymore. Boy, I'm going to give up, right? And that's the beauty of what God has given to us as a church community is we've got brothers and sisters in Christ all around us who are here to help us, to encourage us in this, this lifelong walk where trials come every day, trials come every week. And we continue to encourage each other to look to Christ, look to our Redeemer. Let's read Roman, or I'm sorry, Revelation 12, 10 through 11. Is anybody there? Okay, go ahead, Kathy. What's the hallmark of the devil? The accuser. Right? How often do we hear that voice going on back here in our head? Reminding us, you failed. You failed again. Will God really forgive you this time? You better make sure you read your Bible twice a day, every day this week. What are you going to do to earn his favor? I oftentimes tell Kara and, and the kids, when you catch your sibling in wrong or when we catch the kids in wrong, it's easy to want to be that accuser. Whose team are we on if we're the accuser? We have to speak the truth. We have to say, we saw you do this. We saw your brother get punched and you, he's got the mark. <laughs> we know that sin happened. And let's talk about, one, the consequences, but two, that there's a Redeemer. And we want you to enjoy and to know the joy of your salvation, to know restoration. And that is possible immediately. You got some work to do with your brother, but that's possible. Let's start down that road. We're not going to keep rehashing this and reliving this. We're going to move forward and continue to point you to your Savior. If we are walking in that spot of accusing, as we saw here in Galatians, was happening so often, you're not walking by the law. Some of you aren't even circumcised. This isn't, this isn't the way that we're supposed to, to obey God. Um, if that's going on in our community, we're going to have division. We're going to have divisiveness taking place. But if we can all continue to grow in our pursuit of holiness, and that means loving our neighbor as ourselves, obeying the law of Christ, then our interactions with one another when we do see sin are going to be far more restorative interactions than they are going to be interactions of anger, provocation, envy, and strife. Okay, let's get to these last 
three verses. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Obviously, if we've seen somebody in sin and we've corrected them, we can quickly turn and be like, yeah, glad that I'm not that way, right? Glad I don't struggle with that sin. And here, Paul reminds us, let's pull it back. <laughs> let's remember, if you think you're something when you're nothing, you are deceiving yourself. Let's read 1 Corinthians 3, 7. Anyone there and ready to read? Jack? Thanks. Thank you. It's God who does the work, right? It's not us. We wanna we wanna be able to say, I'm strong enough. I'm not going to fall into that sin. I'd never, I'd never do what you just did. But it's only by God's grace that that might be possible. And we all have to know, but for the grace of, of God, go I. We could easily be in that same spot, and we probably have been in that same spot, and we're sure quick to forget for ourselves, but not for others, right? So uh, one, one commentary I love is Matthew Henry's commentary. Matthew Henry lived in the late 1600s, early 1700s. Um, and one of the quotes from there on this verse was, For he that thinks he stands has need to take heed lest he fall. Self-conceit is but self-deceit. There is not a more dangerous cheat in the world than self-deceit. So 6, 4, and 5, let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor, for each will have to bear his own load. Does that strike any confusion as you read this on the heels of what we read in 6, 1, and 2? Here we're talking about bear one another's burdens, help one another through sin, and then Let's go back. Let's reel it all back in. You're accountable to God because of how you walk, how you live. And I think so often it's easy for us to, to live with a lens of comparison, right? Am I, am, I, am I better than that person? Am I better than this person? Oh, that person seems better than me in this way. I'm going to try to try to grow in that area. Is that how we're walking? Because in... in he does such a great job talking to the Galatians about this because it's, here we're balancing, right? Teetering along, thinking, I want to pursue Christ. I want to walk in holiness. I want to be a glorif glorifier of God. And then, oh, I see a brother in sin. I want to help restore him. And man, I'm feeling pretty good about myself. And ultimately, we have to go back and say, no, Lord, I've sinned in this same way. And I have to be careful to not 
become a self-deceiver, and I have to know that I'm accountable for how I live my life. I'm not accountable. That person, that brother and sister in Christ, Kathy's not accountable to me. She's accountable to God. And it's easy for us to start to feel that people are somehow accountable to us and that we've got to be the one to get them to change. We've got to be the one to help them to see they're a sinner and they need a savior. And yes, that is our role. Go ahead, Barry. Yeah. All right, I'm going to do live my life my way, right? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah. There's truth absolutely to that. And then there's also that need that he's telling us here. How do you live and walk in community to be accountable to God, but also to be dying to yourself, giving yourself to those around you? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, what are you going to do, stand before God and be like, oh, I come from AIDS and you, blah, 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 and God's like, yeah, but the law gives you life. Yeah. <laughs> That's good, Jesse. Good. Okay, I'm going to read a couple things here, and then um, we'll just talk. I think we have a couple minutes to talk about a few applications. So two more thoughts from Matthew Henry's commentary. If you don't have his commentary, I highly recommend getting it. Um, so one, the best way to keep us from being proud of ourselves is to prove our own selves. The better we are acquainted with our own hearts and ways, the less liable shall we be to despise and the more disposed to compassionate and help others. And then the second quote is, there is a day come when we must well give an account of ourselves to God. And he declared that then the judgment will proceed and the sentence pass, according as our state and behavior have really been in the sight of God. If we must certainly be called to an account hereafter, surely we ought to be often calling ourselves to an account here to see whether or no, whether or no going back in our English, whether or no we are such as God will own and approve them. So what are some ways, practical ways, you think about applying this? Maybe in relationships. That could be in, in accountability, in home group, in discipleship, at work. If you've got some brothers and sisters in Christ at work. That could be in marriage. That can be in parenting. Kathy. That's really good. Yep. Anything else?
Sure. Sure. Yeah. Oh, that's really good. Yeah. Yeah. Gloria. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah, better not say anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, well, let's wrap up in prayer. We're a couple minutes over, and I'm sure people want to get coffee and hit the restroom. Father in heaven, we are so thankful to you for your grace and mercy that's been demonstrated to us time and time again. 
We love you. We thank you for this time to spend in your word. We thank you for uh, this letter that Paul wrote to the Galatians to speak directly to them. And this letter continues to speak directly to us. We're reminded that your word is living. And we thank you for um, this time in your word this morning. We look forward to our time of worship. May our singing, may our fellowship, may our listening and application of the preaching of your word demonstrate the impact that you have had on us. May we be robust this morning as we worship you and we ask you for grace to do that. We ask you for the grace to be a blessing to you as we sing your praises as a congregation today. We love you and we pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. <laughs> 